0: If you have your uh, Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Galatians uh, chapter number 6, and we're going to look closely at verse number 14 uh, this morning in the time uh, that we have together uh, in God's Word this morning. First of all, let me say it is a real privilege and an honor uh, to be able to speak here uh, in the pulpit. It is uh, uh, just... a A blessing to be able to do that. Um, Pastor Philip and our children's ministry are working very, very diligently and very, very hard uh, to prepare for uh, the week of Camp Kidfinity. And if you've never been here in uh, a week of uh, Camp Kidfinity, it is uh, organized chaos is really the best way that I can describe it but a lot of work and a lot of effort go into that week. And it is undoubtedly the, the biggest ministry tool and ministry event that we have throughout the year. There'll be 60 to 80 kids here on four nights. And uh, think about all of their parents that come and are uh, introduced to Infinity Church. And so we are uh, we're grateful for that and for the hard work they are doing. Um, if you missed any of Pastor Phillips' messages from the book of James over these past few weeks, uh, working faith, you missed a blessing. It, that has been one of the uh, most profitable, encouraging, practical um, series that I have heard. And uh, so thank you, Philip, for sharing that with us. And I would encourage you, if you did miss any of those sermons, to go and uh, go online, Infinity Church, uh, FI, and uh, listen to those. Uh, They are just uh, wonderful uh, ministry and preaching uh, that Philip has done for us. Um, Let's read one verse in Galatians, chapter number 6, verse 14. Here we have the Apostle Paul that is speaking uh, to the church, at Galatia, or in Galatia, and he says this, he says, "...as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died." Would you bow with me and let's pray for God to bless our time in His Word this morning. Father, we thank You so much for the Word of God. We thank You for its relevance. We thank You for its power. We thank You for its transforming nature, Lord, in our lives. And bless us as we spend some time this morning, as we uh, discover some of Your truths, as we focus, Lord, on the cross and the precious gospel that it represents. I pray that the Holy Spirit, as our praise band sang, would be here among us. You are welcome here. And I pray, Father, that your word would go out, that it would not return void this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there are three kinds of people in the world today. You may have heard this. There are those who make things happen. There are those who watch things happen. And then there are those who ask, what just happened? Well, today, as I speak to uh, a congregation of this size, there are going to be three different types of people today that are sitting right here among us. And let me tell you the three types of people that I think are here this morning and that are here for a reason to listen to God's Word this morning as it is proclaimed. Um, there There is a group of people that are saved They are people that can point to a particular time in their life that they understood the gravity of their sinful nature and they understood the power of a holy God. And so through Christ, our mediator, they repented of their sins and they asked Christ to come into their heart and become their personal Lord and Savior. These are people who hunger for the Word of God, who thirst for the Word of God. These are people who are passionate for Christ, want to learn more of Him, want to take on more of His very nature, want to go out from this building and model Christ and be an example of Christ in this culture. Uh, Saved people are people that... Uh, serve the Lord actively with the time and the talents and the resources that God has given to them. In short, these types of people, saved people, made up many in this group today, they remain at the foot of the cross. They remain close to the cross. Then there's a second group of people that I'm quite sure are represented here in our congregation today. These are people that have been saved. They have, at a point in time in their life, understood the gravity of our sinful nature, understood the holiness of God, and understood clearly with accountability that those two opposing points have to be mediated through Christ and His work on the cross. And so at some point in time, they have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But these people represent a group that maybe are not as close to the cross as they once were. In the old days, um, old-time preachers would call this backslidden Christians, backsliding Christians. But they're simply people that can honestly look at their lives and say to themselves, there was one time, at least one time in my life that I was closer to the Lord than I am now, that I was more passionate for the Lord than I am now, that I hungered for His Word more than I hunger now." And, and usually, folks, this group of people, they don't set out to move away from the cross. They don't intentionally say, I, I am not going to live for the Lord. I know I'm saved, but you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to do that, that church thing or that religious thing anymore. And so, over time, it, it is just a drifting away from the cross. It is a casual, sometimes apathetic attitude toward the cross and toward Christ. You could say it this way, life has just gotten in the way of me and the cross, of me and Christ. Um, The intensity, the priority, the desire, the passion has just kind of slowly faded away you're saved, but you're not thriving. You're not living the abundant life that Christ provides. And then there is a third group that I'm sure we are addressing today. And this would be the group that is unsaved. This would be a group of people that you may have heard the gospel, you may know the story of the cross, but you've not fully come to the conclusion of our sinful nature. And so you have never taken that step to make the Lord Christ the preeminent authority in your life. And so maybe at some time there's been a curiosity that you've had. You've been in some church services. You have some friends that really are passionate for the Lord, talk about the Lord, live for the Lord. Maybe you have some family members, but yet not taken that deliberate, intentional step to pray the sinner's prayer to allow Christ to take your sins my sins, on Himself, and make us acceptable to a holy God. And you may say questions like this. You may say, what would Jesus, this man Jesus, what would He know about me? What would He know about my circumstances? My circumstances are unique. My life is a mess. My life is, you guys like this word drama, drama? My life is full of drama. Well, guess what? So is mine. So is my wife's. Whose life is not full of drama? But let me tell you who can take that drama and funnel it into an abundant, productive, joy filled, purpose filled life. And that is Christ. And you may say this you may say, I have tried so many things through the years to fill this God sized hole in my heart, but nothing lasts. Nothing totally satisfies, and you may sit here today and say, I am empty. Those are the three groups that I believe we are among today. The mature Christian, the drifting Christian, and the unsaved person. And in our text today, Paul does a wonderful job of forcefully bringing all of those groups right back to where we all need to be, and that is at the foot of the cross. The very cross that represents the good news, the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins and has forever saved us, and now we can approach, through Christ, a holy God. And so I want to speak today uh, about this one particular verse and draw some truth from it and, uh, and discover some things about this. And uh, my prayer is that whatever group you may categorize yourself in, your self-evaluation, only you know your relationship with Christ. No one else can read your heart. We can see actions that outflow from a a heart for Christ, but truly, truly God is the only one that can read our hearts. And so my prayer is that as Paul ministers through this verse in Galatians, that it will also minister and speak to us today. So let's kind of put the verse into context today and build some some framework around it. So Paul is writing this letter, this uh, letter of Galatians, He's writing it to a group of churches that have been planted in this country called Galatia. And um, this was uh, an area that he visited on his first missionary journey. He went on three, recall. This was the first missionary journey. And so he is writing this letter to these churches at Galatia from his prison cell in Rome. He has been arrested, he has been carried to Rome, and he sits in a prison cell. He doesn't feel sorry for himself, he doesn't allow his feelings to overwhelm him, but he recognizes the place that he is and he forever changed the face of Christianity with his wonderful writings called the Prison Epistles that he wrote while there in prison. And so some of the familiar villages that Paul is writing this letter of Galatia to, and you may recognize some of these, Antioch, you remember Antioch, okay, how about Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Um, And so these are the, the the young Christians, first century Christians if you will, that he is reaching out to to encourage, to instruct, and and to uh, continue to give guidance to. Now, notice that the purpose of the book of Galatians, Paul's purpose here in writing this to these churches was to draw the Galatians, draw the new converts, those that had been saved, draw them back to Christ in freedom and grace. And what we see is that these first century Christians had received Christ as their personal Savior. They understood the freedom in Christ. They understood that we are saved only by the grace of Christ. But as human nature is, they began to slowly, over a little time, drift away from the centrality of the cross and they began to kind of add some things to their relationship in Christ. So you may say that what they were doing is they were saying, Jesus and... and then you fill in the blanks. They began to practice some of the law that Christ had come and freed them from. And so Paul senses this And he senses that somehow they are moving away from the cross of salvation and grace and they are moving back toward what is so familiar to them and that is earning their salvation through works. Or not just Jesus, but it's Jesus and. And so Paul writes to them and he says, Guys... He draws us back with some final advice in in chapter 6. And if you read verses 11 through 18, he is writing his final advice to them. But we examine this verse today, verse number 14. Because here Paul reminds us so very powerfully of the centrality of the cross. He says, move closer to the cross. Don't move further away from it. Heavens know, move closer to it. So at the very core of our being, at my very core of my being, the gospel is good news. The cross represents that gospel because God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and He reconciled us to a holy God. The cross represents the very core, the very center of our lives. Saved. Drifting and unsaved people, the message is the same. The cross is and should be and always be the center of our life, the very core of our being. If you look in Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 5, if you have your Bibles, you may want to turn to that. If you have your devices, you may want to turn to that. My father was a Baptist preacher for 47 years. The Lord took him home in March of 2016 And uh, I'm sure my dad, when he began his public ministry, Pastor Philip, in 1961, I'm sure he had no idea that his son, his oldest son, would be here on July 10th saying, Look in your devices and uh, look up Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 5. Technology can be wonderful if we use it in the right way. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says this, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He, God, gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace that you have been saved. Paul is bringing us back to the centrality of the cross. The foot of the cross is where we need to live life today. Uh, John ten ten, 10, Jesus himself says it this way. He says, I am come that they, you and I, saved people, passionate people for the Lord. I am come that they may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. Now that doesn't promise us a life without problems. That does not promise us, as you well know, a life without heartache. But what it does promise us is that through it all, Christ will be there. He is our rock. He is our anchor in our very soul. He is the center of our being and because of that we have this unspeakable joy that allows us to rejoice even in the most difficult of circumstances. So Paul reminds us today in in this verse, Galatians 6, verse 14, of the centrality of the cross. He says, May I never boast, may I never glory in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, because of that cross, my interest in this world, um, you you could say its lure, um, its attractiveness, its curiosity of this world, has been crucified. John Stott, in his book, The Cross of Christ, gives us commentary on the cross. You'll see it on on your outlines and you'll see it on the screen. We should be passionate about thinking of the cross. We should be reflecting upon the cross. We should be rejoicing in the cross. And we should be allowing the cross to color every part of our lives. Every part of our lives. I love this quote from John Stott in the same book. And um, I I just, this quote is so good. I'm going to read it twice. Now you all know, I don't see my wife in here so I can repeat things. She told me, she says, Daniel, you have a bad habit of repeating things. Do not repeat things. People hear them the first time. But this quote is so good, I'm going to say it twice. We should never move from the cross, only into a more profound understanding of the cross. I love that. Christians, unsaved people, we should never move away from the cross, only into a more profound understanding of that cross. All right. in the time we have left, let's look at three temptations or three challenges that can cause us to do just what Paul instructs us not to do and that is move away from the cross. Paul is saying to the churches in Galatia, you're going the wrong way, but praise God, you can turn around and move back toward the cross. We always have that opportunity. Christ says He stands at, our, at the door of our heart and He knocks. It was, Christ is always pursuing us. It's just that we have to allow ourselves to be pursued. We have to open that door and let Christ come in. i give you a big word here, subjectivism. I spell by syllables. So when you break it down into syllables, it's not really that big a word. I have to say it slow. I talk slow. I used to tell my customers, I may talk slow, but I don't think slow. Subjectivism is simply basing our view of the cross and Christ on our changing feelings and emotions. That's what subjectivism is. Pause for a moment. My goodness, in this world today, don't we live on our feelings? Oh, if I feel good, I'm going to have a good day. Oh, if my team wins, I'm going to have a good day. Aren't the Braves playing good, by the way? Wow, they are playing good. They are a fun team to watch right now. I want you to pause for just a moment in all seriousness and ask yourselves a question. And I want you to think about your lives and your family's lives. How much of our feelings influence our daily lives. Let me ask this question. How in this culture have we become so feelings-focused? How easy is it for us to base our lives on feelings and emotions instead of the truth of God? How easy is it for us to do that? Look around at our culture today. Be happy. Whatever. I used to hate that. I still hate that word. My my teenage son used to use that word, whatever. I used to burn with anger when he said that. Anybody here have teenagers? You'll get through it. Just believe me. They'll they'll turn out to be great people. Just... Let me tell you, they'll they'll be great people. You just the Lord's just using them to kind of shape some rough edges off of you. Hey, let me tell you something. We don't live our life on feelings. If we do, it's chaos. It's an emotional roller coaster. It's up one day and down the next. It's you can't stay there, folks. It's impossible. You have to have something more. You have to have an anchor, a center, a core that will help you through that. C.J. Mahaney, in his book, uh, Living the Cross-Centered Life, listen to this. This is a good quote. He says, we let our feelings tell us what is true instead of letting the truth transform our feelings. So don't let your feelings dictate to you truth. You take the Word of God, you move closer to the cross, and you let truth dictate your feelings you see there's a difference in the way you live there okay um 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 paul says this he says the message of the cross the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction You see, unsaved people don't understand the cross, don't know what it means, don't know what it represents. And and so it's foolishness for them as they head further and further away and more and more toward destruction. But Paul says, But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. The cross represents the work of God that God's Son did on that cross for you and I. For those of us that struggle with this temptation to allow our feelings and emotions to to be too much, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't feel good. I'm not saying don't have emotions. God created us in His image. He has feelings and emotions. We are okay to have those feelings and emotions, but ask yourself this question. What is the authority in my life? Is it my feelings and emotions? Then it, That's not right. That's wrong. You're gonna, you're gonna head toward destruction that way. Our, the, the answer to the question should be truth, biblical truth, God's Word is the authority in my life, not feelings, not my emotions. Do we start every day with biblical thinking? Do we believe the truth of God and allow it to transform our feelings. Move closer to the cross. The second temptation, the second challenge that will pull us away from the cross and and will do it very subtly is this idea of legalism. You may have heard that before. Legalism is simply basing our relationship with God on our own performance. It is simply basing our relationship. We don't base our relationship with God on our feelings and emotions. We don't do that. Oh, no. We just base our relationship with God on our performance. How we do in the spiritual world. Um, Legalism, folks, let me say this, is at the very core nothing more than self-worship. That's what legalism is. It is nothing more than... uh, I get the glory, and God, you just stand off there to the side. It's just the opposite of the way we are to stand firm at the cross and lean into the cross, and that is God gets all the glory. I'm just the instrument and privileged and thankful to be that instrument that God uses sometimes to perform His will and exercise His will. Often pride is at the root of this temptation. Anybody ever have a problem with pride? Okay, all right, good. I saw a couple of heads nod out there. I'm glad I'm not the only one that has had a problem with pride. But pride often is at the root of this temptation. And pride and legalism can move us away from the cross. We say things like, my performance, my work, my ministry my desire to receive an attaboy, a recognition, my earning my way to the cross with my good works. Legalism may be a little less subtle than subjectivism, but it is just as deadly and harmful and destructive to the saved person. Paul pulls us back in our text today. Notice what Paul says. Paul says, may I never, not may I sometimes, not may I once in a while, Paul says may I never boast in anything except the cross. That is the center of my being. That is the core, that is the authority in my life. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, uh, Paul tells us this. He says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. You can't earn your salvation. God gives it as a gift, a gift of grace. Salvation is not a reward for good things done so that none of us can boast about our good works and say, look what I've done. Have you ever read about the Pharisees in the New Testament? Oh my goodness, that's why I believe Jesus just was so frustrated with that group of people because it was all about works. Look at me. Listen to me. I pray so eloquently. Look, I'm wearing these robes. Look how I walk. Look how I do... Jesus having none of that. Legalism is a dangerous thing. Let me say this about legalism. Living at the foot of the cross allows us to experience grace and not to earn it. That's why we stay at the foot of the cross. We make our boast only in Christ. If you're suffering with uh, even the subtle um, nuances of legalism, let me ask you right now, move closer to the cross. And lastly, and we'll finish up, condemnation. Condemnation is, a, it is a, 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 an event or a word uh, that, that can have some real bad results and, and cause us not to move closer to the cross. It can keep us from moving closer to the cross. Condemnation is simply being more focused on our sin than God's grace. So so we have God's grace. We know, we know what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. All right, so now all of us have this uh, idea. Uh, we all know what baggage and luggage is, you know. I, I got some baggage. I carry around some baggage with me, you know. You want to talk to my wife, she'll tell you about some of the baggage that I carry around with me. We all have that, don't we? We all have some luggage. We all have some baggage of condemnation. Listen, folks, we all have a long list of things that are unsaid, undone, unaccomplished, okay? And this long list can sometimes really work on us in our relationship to the Lord and, and our relationship to the cross. And so sometimes we, we want to play over and over and over our regrets or our poor decisions or hurtful words or actions or deeds. Let me just pause there and say, this temptation of self-condemnation and self-guilt and self-shame, it will pull us so far from the cross that we cannot even see the cross in the distance. That's how far self-condemnation can pull us from the cross. And Paul is telling us here in Galatians, he is saying unload our luggage and our baggage with this idea of self-condemnation. Long after we have repented to God and we have repented to any people that we may have hurt, private sin, private confession, Public sin, public confession. Sometimes we need to go to those people that we have hurt and we need to ask for their forgiveness and we need to make that right with them. Once we have done that in the Spirit of the Lord, look what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. You may want to look this up in your device you may want to highlight this verse in your Bible. Romans 8, 1. Look what Paul tells the believer. He says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It is possible for us, folks, to shed that baggage, to shed that self-condemnation and that guilt. It is possible for us to do that. Paul tells us to look to the cross and make the cross the center of our lives. 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 and 16, Paul writes this, and he is, he is very much qualified to give us this counsel because he says, And I, Paul, am the worst of all sinners, but God had mercy on me that he may use me. Do you remember who Paul was? Before he was Paul, he was, he was Saul, wasn't he? And he pursued the new believers in the first century with a passion, with a zealous nature. He pursued them and he would bring harm to them. And Paul had that in his past, he had that in his mind. Okay? So, Paul, above all else, had self-guilt, self guilt, self condemnation and shame but he tells us in first timothy his young little preacher friend timothy he says and i was the chiefest of all but god forgave me god had mercy on me and look how god used paul and we can do the same thing so let me ask uh, us as we close this morning um Paul gives us such a powerful glimpse here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 into his heart and mind. Paul was so far from the cross before he was saved that he couldn't even see the cross with binoculars. That's how far away he was from the cross. He repented and he was used greatly of God. We can and we have the same opportunity to do that. He moved closer to the cross And here's an important point, there he remained. He stayed at the foot of the cross. He unpacked his luggage of self-condemnation and he lived there for the rest of his life, right there at the foot of the cross. So here's the invitation today as we close. I'm going to speak back to the three groups that we identified early in our uh, time together. Number one, us and you mature believers, those that are saved, those that uh, uh, have uh, leaned hard against the cross, lean into the cross, profoundly understand it even more. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be about His business. Be about His work. All right. Uh, Secondly, those that are drifting, those that are saved, but you know the white-hot passion for Christ is not there anymore. And you see it in your lives, and you see it in the results of of your life. I'm just going to ask you, move closer to the cross. Reignite that passion for the Lord. Make it your passion. Make the cross your priority. Make the Lord the authority of your life. And then lastly, to the unsaved group that may be here, I'm just going to invite you very clearly today. Come to the cross. Be curious about it. Ask questions about it. Pastor Philip, the elders, we can help lead you through a thorough understanding of our sinful nature and our need for our Lord and Savior. So to the unsaved, I'm just going to ask, feel the freedom that can only be found in a personal relationship with Christ. I'm going to ask the band, if they will, to uh, come on up. And uh, they'll lead us in one closing song. And uh, so uh, the invitation is quite simple. I'm just going to ask you, what group are you in? Where are you? Um, are you saved? praise God only through the grace of God are we saved. we're all sinners folks some are just saved by grace okay so uh, I'm just gonna ask you to recommit your life this morning if you're living for the Lord man you stay right on that you be intentional about it don't you allow yourself to drift in any form or fashion to those that have drifted to those maybe that have had a closer walk with the Lord Man, maybe it's time right now just to rededicate your life, as the old pastors used to say. Redirect your life. uh, uh, Reset your life. Um, but, But whatever the Lord is leading you to do there. And then lastly, to the unsaved. Man, there is freedom in Christ. There is joy in Christ. There is an abundant life in Christ. And it's available to all of us. And so that's the invitation today. So here's what I'm going to do. Pastor Philip's going to come and he's going to stand right here. The Holy Spirit's going to do its work today. I'm going to pray right here. I'm going to pray for myself first that I would never do anything to to discredit my Lord, to discredit my family, to discredit my wife, to discredit my ministry. I need those prayers. I need that accountability. So I'm going to pray right here for myself, but then I'm going to pray for all of you as well. Let's pray and uh, then we'll stand. Well, let's go ahead and stand and we'll pray and the band will lead us in our invitational hymn. Lord, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this giant, the Apostle Paul. We thank you, Lord, that we can read his writings and just continue to uncover truth after truth after truth. And so, dear Lord, I pray for uh, the mature Christians. I pray for the drifting Christians. And I pray for those that are unsaved today, that you would have your way and your will in uh, our lives today. In Christ's name we pray.